This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Hey, everyone. This is Karen Hunter, and today I'm going to talk about the NFL, Colin Kaepernick, and power. Now, many of you know that Colin Kaepernick, along with Eric Reed, former NFL players, they had sued the NFL for collusion, and recently they settled. They settled for an amount that is undisclosed, but according to their attorney, Mark Garagos, uh, who represented both of them in this matter, uh, he wrote, for the past several months, counsel for Mr. Kaepernick and Mr. Reed have engaged in an ongoing dialogue with representatives of the NFL. As a result of those discussions, the parties have decided to resolve the pending grievances. The resolution of this matter is subject to a confidentiality agreement, so there will be no further comment by any party, but... You know how reporters are. The reports say that Colin Kaepernick received between 60 and $80 million, probably more than he would ever have received had he been picked up by any team. Which leads me to what I want to talk about today. But before I get to that, I want to just be clear because I want to get it on record because there's been so much misinformation over the last three-plus years since Colin Kaepernick first took a knee about why he took a knee. So these are facts. Fact alert, yes. 2016, Colin Kaepernick, then a backup quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, took a knee. He was the first NFL player to take a knee. He took a knee to protest police brutality during the national anthem. His protest was not uh, about fighting the national anthem. It wasn't a protest against the national anthem. It was not a protest against the military. It wasn't a protest against America. It was a protest against police brutality. So if you are against police brutality, you should have supported Colin Kaepernick taking a knee to bring light to police brutality. If you are for police brutalizing innocent citizens because in this country you are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law before a jury of your peers or a judge, then you're evil ass racist, period. Okay. He took a knee out of respect. This, you can Google search. There was a NFL player, Seahawks player, former Green Beret military person named Nate Boyer, who reached out to Colin, Colin Kaepernick and he said the most respectful way to protest would be to take a knee. So the whole knee taking was the antithesis of disrespect of the flag, the country, and the military. Okay, I just had to get that off my chest because Lord have mercy, but it speaks to what I want to talk about today. The lengths people will go to to maintain power control and supremacy because that's what this whole thing was about. So the question on the table for me is, am I still boycotting the NFL? And the answer is yes. I have no desire to watch the NFL, even though in many ways this might be settled. But what's not settled is injustice. So Colin Kaepernick took a knee because people were being murdered. <laughs> you know, we can go down the list. Mike Brown, Tamir Rice, Rakia Boy. I mean, like, let's just keep going. Laquan McDonald, Eric Garner. Like, yo, it, it was a never-ending barrage uh, even before Oscar Grant. You know, I can go back to Eleanor Bumpers. I can go back to Amadou Diallo because, you know, I was a reporter at the time at the New York Daily News when that happened. That was an outrageous thing, but it has uh, become less outrageous because it's become more prevalent. Walter Scott being shot in the back, uh, his, his assailant, his murderer being basically acquitted in a hung jury because there was a white man on the jury that refused to 
find a police officer guilty even though the video was clear he shot the man in the back and then tried to plant a taser on him in South Carolina. But that's neither here nor there. What I want to talk about is the lengths that people will go to. So here's what you need to understand about this. 2016, Colin Kaepernick took a knee. 2017, he opted out of his contract with the 49ers to, to file for free agency. The assumption is, you know, I, I still have some life in me. I'm still in my 20s. I still can run. I can still throw. I may not be in the top 10 of all NFL quarterbacks, but I could definitely help another team and probably make a little bit more money. But you know what happened to Colin Kaepernick? Nobody picked him up. And many, many, many teams needed him. And you can Google search all of the horrible-ass quarterbacks that both started and were backups that, were pa- that Colin Kaepernick was passed over for. So he filed a lawsuit. That's clear collusion. And you want to know why we know it's collusion? Because the mighty billion-dollar-plus NFL, one of the wealthiest sports, um, sports organizations in the history of sports, settled for 60 to $80 million. They settled because they did not want the information to get out about how they colluded. Full stop. But what I'm thinking about um, as I read the case and all of the details and not many details being released, but as I think about this, I think about the Montgomery bus boycott. And I can't bring it up enough because, number one, if it had to happen again today, I don't know if we'd have the appetite to do it. (laughs) I just don't know if people will. Hell, people don't even want to sacrifice their Gucci clothing. All right. Hey, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, it's it's almost um, embarrassing that so many of us are willing to sacrifice our morality and our integrity, and I said integrity for a reason, and you may know why, hey, Steve Harvey, for the dollar. For what? I boycotted the NFL because, yeah, I think that the black dollar and the black attention, meaning our eyeballs, really make a difference in the bottom line of a lot of billion, multi-billion dollar companies, including the NFL. 70% of the NFL are people who look like me, 70%. And I'm saying to myself, well, okay, you won't hire Colin Kaepernick. That means brothers in the NFL, any one of you for any reason, can also be targeted. Right? So why wouldn't you stand in solidarity? Well, I have my, my family to feed. I get that. Uh, I, I have I have mortgage to pay. I get that. Um, I I you know I, I can't survive if, if if I don't get paid. I get that. So the question is, what's your freedom worth? <laughs> because that's really what this is about. You know, this temporary. I need to pay my rent, my mortgage. I gotta eat mentality. And we're talking about actually people who make millions begs a larger question. You come into a league and. You have signing bonuses, and, and, you know, clearly the NFL players don't have the same guaranteed contracts that you may find in, in basketball and baseball. They don't have the same uh, length of time that they get to play because football is such a brutal sport. As uh, Bennett Amalu has pointed out, it is a damaging sport, and the lifespan of a football player in terms of playing time is not what, what it is in baseball, definitely, and not in basketball as well. But you're getting more than the average bear. And rightfully so. You deserve that money. My wish, I guess, is that everybody that would come into the NFL, it looks like me, would save just about every penny and live below their means because tomorrow's not promised. And you want to be able to make a pivot and a shift 
at any point in time. And I'm, I'm thinking about the Baltimore Ravens um, fellow that left to, to go to MIT to study uh, science and math or something. And there's another one who started a farm. There have been many NFL players that have been able to empower themselves through that money and go off and do something really great for themselves. But it's a really sad day when people can't band together um, to make a statement, to make a difference. You know, I'm thinking about the Missouri football team, uh, college football team, whose um, president of their college um, was racist, right? And they decided that um, they were going to walk off. These are college kids who clearly don't have the money or the prestige or even the largesse as many of the NFL players uh, did. And their futures might have been on a line. But this was a team that got together, the Missouri football team, got together and decided that they weren't going to play until this chancellor, this racist chancellor, stepped down. And guess what? The Missouri president and the chancellor quit after the team walked off, and they didn't even have to miss a game. Because what the university calculated was that one game miss would equal roughly a million dollars for the school, a million dollars that they weren't willing to forego. And you know what happened to the players? Nothing. So not only did they get what they wanted, they even got to play, and they, they show what real power looks like. So my question has always been, why can't that happen in the NFL? 70%. It, we wouldn't even need all of you guys to do it. If every quarterback, I'm talking, you know, well, I don't even want to go down the list because you know who they all are. Every quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Hello. Then you go to the Cowboys and, Lord Jesus, I don't even want to get into that. The point of this is that Colin Kaepernick sac sacrificed his career and now he's, you know, got paid for it is not the story. The story is that the NFL was willing to deny this man his <laughs> right to play football and, and this is how, you know, I just said this uh, recently um, in the after show of the Karen Hunter show. I did an Instagram live. But I said, you, you know how crazy it is? All the NFL had to do was pick him up on one of the teams, put him as a backup, have him sit on the bench for the whole season, and then cut him. That's all they had to do. Or play him, show that he's not really that good. Oh, were they afraid that he is really that good? See, because this is what you need to know. Because if Colin Kaepernick was, oh, he's not that good, because I hear people, oh, he's not that good, he was diminished, da 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 well, just put him on the team and prove it. Then you could cut him. Now you don't even have an issue. You don't have boycotts, you don't have people having a problem with you. Nothing. That, that would have been so easy, so why wouldn't they do that? Because racists, which the NFL is as an institution, because this country is as an institution, would rather cut off their noses, would rather do anything than to give you, me, us, anything, any modicum of freedom. And I'm not talking bondage bondage, I'm talking something else. So let's not get mixed up and stuck in the weeds on words. But, and I go back to the Montgomery bus boycott. I, I you know, and that wasn't the first boycott. Actually, there was one in Louisiana before that, I think one in North Carolina. But Montgomery is in the annals of history. Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat. Fast forward, we're going to boycott. And the boycott, again, was not about uh, being mistreated. It was about you stealing my money. Oftentimes, black folks would, you know, because they had to pay in the front, get off the bus, and then go to the back, 
A lot of times a bus driver would drive off. Ha, 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 ha. That nickel you just worked all week for, ah, it's gone. And there's no recourse because you're in a system where who do you go to? Who do you file a complaint against? Who, no one's arresting the bus driver. It's your word, nigra against their word, white man, and they're never going to take your word over it. And a jury of your peers, you're never getting that either. So there was a lot of disrespect, and it wasn't just that, okay, we have the back of the bus. Now, there, was, there should be a clear back of the bus. Nope, if white people got on, there was more white people than there were seats, the back of the bus for black folks decreased row by row until there might have been a whole bunch of black people standing crowded up in the back of the bus while white people sat comfortably. That's beyond ridiculous. Black people that have been on their feet all day, washing white people's clothes, asses, homes, taking care of their kids, suckling their, all of that, right? So you look at this, and the, bu the bus boycott should have lasted a week because it was clear that roughly 70% of the income to that bus came from the black community. It should have lasted no more than a month. But that bus boycott lasted more than a year, and it, it bankrupted, bankrupted the bus, boy, uh, the bus company to the point that the parent company had to come in and say, okay, enough. That's the lengths that these people will go to. So then it begs a larger question. What's so valuable about holding on to this power, this notion, this false notion of supremacy that you're willing to lose everything? You're willing to lose millions of dollars. You're willing to go bankrupt over it. It must be something so powerful. So you have to juxtapose it. Why is this so important? Because the truth is, and this is the point of my, my, my podcast, probably the point of my life right now. The truth is, black folks are not inferior. Black folks are not the ones that are morally bankrupt. We're not the savages. We're not the evildoers. We're not the thugs and the criminals. It's actually the opposite. And the capitulation to what's right so you rather lie about why Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee? You rather go bankrupt as a bus company? You rather lose money? You rather people not show up? The 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 uh, the viewership was down in twenty uh, eight uh, nineteen. Super Bowl viewership was down, and they couldn't find anybody of note. Beyonce, Cardi B, nobody would show up. They got Gladys Knight and Travis Scott. Good, you got that. God bless you and Big Boy. I think who might need might have needed a check. Um, but you didn't get the A-list stars to come out, really. I, we could argue about Travis Scott. I ain't arguing about it. He's not A-list to me, but go ahead. Um, but, yeah. But what if all entertainers said, no, you know what? As a matter of fact, not, none of us are going to show up. None of us are going to show up. And as a matter of fact, NFL, don't use our music during your – because, yeah, no, don't use my song because they use a lot of black music during the breaks, on, a, on TV, they use their music at the, on the, at the stadium, our music, our music. Nope, can't use it, but that would require us owning our music masters as well, huh? So this whole thing has brought to light for me the lack of power we seemingly have, and now it's time to reclaim it. If this Colin Kaepernick boycott needs controversy has taught us anything is that we do have power. The NFL capitulated. They, they want to shut him up. There's, a, there's a, of course, a confidentiality agreement. They don't want him to talk about it. More importantly, they don't want to talk about it anymore. And the question is why? I'm going to still boycott because, A, 
not watching the NFL for the last two seasons has allowed me to read more, write more, edit more, contemplate the future of our community more. Um, yeah, that's a fun thing, but there are other fun things we can do. We could play spades. We could play we could play chess. We could play scratch. We can do some things with one another during that time. Go to the movies, hang out with our family, visit people. Like there's something else we can do than to put money into billionaires' pockets. And yes, oh well, a lot of the players are black. Okay, I got you. I get you. There's no league without them. So how about if they don't like that we're still boycotting, that there's some more equity in the league, and maybe the players can get together and decide what are the three things that they want to get out of the NFL. Now now that there, there's been a victory with Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed, what, what three things, what other things do they want? Because I think there's some stuff on the table. This is not a chance like I see in the 60s where we had civil rights, um, you know, there were amendments to the Constitution and we got rights and, you know, before that in the 50s, integration into schools and, and like I said, the bus boycott and all these other things. There were, there were victories along the way, but there was not a victory. And there may not ever be the kind of victory that I think some of us expect. So I think our expectations need to change as well. I had a discussion again about this on my show, and um, the question on the table was, well, we need to learn how to play the game better. And I'm like, no, we don't need to know how to play. Yes, we need to know the rules of this game that we're in, but we also need to understand that the rules are designed so that we always lose. In this game that we did not design, the rules state that black people will always be at the bottom. That's a fact. So the question is, do we keep playing this game? And I say no. Know the rules because you need to see what's coming. You need to be able to un, you know, dissect and discern where, where the next move is going to be played because you want to understand it. But understand clearly, as we understand that, this is not a game we should be playing. And part of the ways in which we don't play is to take our power, the chips that we have on the board, and take them off the board. You got your board game, but we're not going to have our chips on there for you to be able to move around. That's my dream. And I hope that everyone listening to me starts to make those moves. And we can do this individually first. Um, we talked about this on my show as well. Buying. All right. I'm going to say this ad nauseum because it needs to be a mantra. Black people spend between $1.3 and $3 trillion annually. That's more money than the GDP of Mexico, Russia, and several other countries. We are the largest spending power in the United States of America. We, our dollars, bolster America's economy. There's no America economy, American economy without black dollars. There are no trends in this country without black thought, black participation, black creativity. So what are we gonna do, okay? You're an individual, I'm an individual. You make money. If you're listening to my voice, I'm sure you have a job. I don't care whether you're making $5 an hour, $11 an hour, or $200,000 a year. For every dollar that you spend, right now you can make a commitment. For every dollar that I spend, I'm going to put a dollar away. And I'm not just going to put it in a bank or stuff it in my bra under my mattress. I'm going to put it in a place where it's going to work for me. I'm going to start pimping my dollars. Hmm. Instead of 
looking at Nike shoes, maybe I invest in Nike stock. I'm not, I'm not telling you to invest in anything. I'm just saying that's how you should look at it. I have a telecom. I have a cell phone. What's my provider? Instead of just buying the next iPhone, maybe I invest in some Apple instead of, or, or uh, Samsung or, or it, you know, I have Verizon or AT&T. Maybe I put into that because I, I actually utilize that. And, and let me focus on dividends because dividends pay no matter what the stock market is doing. I'm just giving you just a little bit of how I think about it. Right. So, um, yeah, so I invest in stocks that pay dividends and I study the dividends over a course of five years to see how the dividend trends have been and I invest in companies with the strong dividends that have been growing over the last five years who will pay me on a quarterly or, or monthly basis. I even have one stock that pays me every single month and my goal is to get to a place where my dividends pay me as much as my salary. That's freedom. Now that's just personal freedom. Now as a community before I buy something if I'm gonna buy a house Am I going to buy it in a community where I'm paying taxes into a system that's not educating my kids? Because the bulk of your tax dollars go to a school system. It's the school system racist. That's, so that means I have to sit now and figure out and do some research. But we got to do that. We got time now. I'm not watching the NFL. I got time to look these things out. So recently I just bought some property in a neighborhood where everyone looks like me. In a school system where I, I feel proud to pay into a school system because that school system is educating our kids. And guess what? Now I get to show up to the meetings and stuff and have a say in what happens next. I've already met with the mayor and the police chief because this is my neighborhood. I want to feel safe in it. And I need to know when I dial, dial the cops, it's, it's not because there's crime. <laughs> but that only happens when we're active. Recently, somebody sprayed graffiti. And this was, I lived in this neighborhood maybe a decade or so ago. And someone sprayed graffiti. And I think I shared the story that I went to Home Depot and got some spray paint and sprayed over the graffiti. Someone recently sprayed graffiti on the same white wall again. And I didn't have to do it. Somebody else, I, I was going to, I was heading over to Home Depot. As I was going past that wall, somebody had already painted over it. The, the, when I first moved in, it was trash. You know, people would, you know, have trash. I went across the street and I told the person who was leaving their trash out and was blowing over the streets, please don't do that. We live in a neighborhood where we all deserve to have cleanliness when we walk, walk the neighborhood. Can you please pick up after, after yourself? And I'm sure it was like, who are you talking to? But no, you know I mean, it's all in how you approach somebody. We all live here. Don't we want to have a nice, clean environment? And it's just challenging one another to do better. Hey, brother and sister, how you guys doing? This is how I greet people in my neighborhood. How do you greet people in your neighborhood? So just in our own little spaces, starting with ourselves and our community, we can provide ourselves with the kind of freedom and utopia that we're looking for. And then let's, let's start dealing with the larger, the larger it, politically. Are we electing people locally who are going to do our bidding? And are we holding them accountable once we elect them? And if they're not doing a job, do we have a wholesale plan for how we're going to get the next person in and this person out? And then what about statewide? And then what about federally? This is a game. The game that we're playing is not their game. This is a game of power. And what you need to also know, which I've seen with the Montgomery bus boycott and now with the NFL, they know how much power we have. Absolutely, which is why they're willing to cut off their nose. They're willing to put a, an idiot person that may send us into the abyss into office. <laughs> they're willing to vote for that person, vote against their interests, because that power is so much more important than actually eating and feeding their families, right? But they're also afraid. 
And the fear is if these people actually realize how much power they have, I may not exist. I may not exist. Well, here's the truth. You don't exist. This thing that you're holding on to, this white supremacy, this whiteness is made up. I've said this before. I'll say it ad nauseum because it is. So then you have to ask yourself, why am I holding on to something that really is not a thing anyway? Maybe if I spent more time focusing on the same things that Karen's talking about right now, I could be free too. Because the truth of the matter is white supremacy is just as much bondage as race, race, to the racist as it is to us. Just as much bondage, if not more. Because in addition to you holding on to something that's not real and not living your full, complete life and not enjoying the people around you because you are so balled up with hate, you're missing, you're, you're missing the opportunity to actually build the kind of country that we should have, the kind of world that we should have, the kind of life that all of us should have. We should live life and live it abundantly. Well, that's my goal, right? So, yeah. Um, I'm happy that Ka Kaepernick got his money. I'm still not going to give my eyeballs to the NFL, not because, you know, any other reason than as an institution, they haven't passed muster. <laughs> they have not passed the smell test of what it looks like to respect my dollars and my eyeballs. So that has to happen first. And that goes for every company that I purchase things with, cars, Homes, neighborhoods, clothing, I'm doing my research now. And I'm going to challenge everybody listening to me to do your research. Before you click on uh, online to buy something, do a little search on the CEO. A lot of us got jacked up with Papa John's back in the day because we didn't know how much John Schnatter was a racist, uh, out-of-control person until he showed himself. But there were already signs, and we know. So the question is, is my comfort and desire to do certain things more important than my freedom? Because your comfort is temporary. Freedom is forever, and when you start to live a free life, it is um, transformative, but also it's contagious. How you live spreads, and you can impact not just yourself, your family, your neighborhood, but beyond. And I do think, I do think, um, that, that we have a responsibility to, to do that. So I will be continuing my boycott of the NFL. And I'd love to hear from you guys. Follow me on Twitter at Karen Hunter. Follow me on Instagram at Karen Hunter Show. Of course, I'm doing YouTube as well, Karen Hunter Show on YouTube. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. But spread this podcast out and let's have a conversation about what it's going to take. You know, uh, some of you in your field, I love football so much, but do you love football more than you love yourself? Do you love football more than you love your freedom? And if making a stand that is not hurting or costing you anything is too hard for you, do you really want to be free? That's the question on the table. I want to be free. I want to live every day until I don't take another breath as free as possible. So I'm going to help everyone get there. <laughs> if you want to join me, you know where to find me. I love you, and I'll see you next time.